The uncertainty, change and cancelling culture currently happening in society tremendously impacts everyone, also at work. People want to feel they belong to their organization and feel inclusive in a diverse culture. Not having this feeling can cause stress, unsafety, discomfort, which in this high-pressure society can lead to distrust and health problems. In Deloitte's podcast series, we talk with a variety of people with a variety of background and expertise. I'm Anne-Barbara Lemmens. I'm leading the diversity, equity and inclusion proposition at Deloitte Consulting. I will have candid conversations with people working in a wide variety of societal environments to gain and share knowledge that can be used in the business world. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Deloitte Psychological Safety podcast series. What we can learn from... And today I will have a candid and open conversation with Angela Maas, professor in cardi- cardiology and Radboud uh, MC, specialized in cardiovascular disease in women. Angela, can I ask you to introduce yourself? Thank you. Uh, yeah, I'm a cardiologist since uh, 1988. Only after a few years doing clinical practice, I realized that uh, the female patients were not served uh, quite well. So in the beginning of the 90s, uh, the subject of heart disease in women became more popular in the medical literature. And um, I started to read everything. And also my patients, a female patient, got a bit angry because um, I couldn't give them the answers uh, they needed to have for their symptoms. So I plunged into the subject and, um, well, from knowing nothing, in fact, uh, I became a professor in cardiology for women. I, uh, I'm very pleased that you're here because we, uh, I, I actually want to ask you two, sort of in two different ways, something about psychological safety. And one is, of course, you are uh, uh, an expert in, in, in the female Yeah, female cardiovascular uh, disease, uh, women at uh, with women, uh, but also you're working in a uh, in a uh, hospital and in a medical world. So I would love to sort of touch upon those two topics, like yeah. how is psychological safety linked to those worlds? Yeah, well, yeah. those two sides they are certainly linked to each other. Um, well. During my training um, um, in in one of the hospitals in the Netherlands, um, there was a lot of sexism, uh, and cardiology is still a macho culture. Mm-hmm. So, uh, being a woman in training um, to be a cardiologist was quite uh, hard, and I remember. Uh, incidents um, that my supervisors just laughed at me with, um, you know, sexist um, remarks and and uh, things that happened. Mm. Um, so, well, and it was a bit in the 80s, it was a bit, well, it, it belonged to the culture mm. of becoming a cardiologist. So I had to accept it or Leave it. Hmm. Um, that's a, that's an interesting one, right? To say yeah. it belonged to the culture. Yeah. Um, what we're saying now, but and of course the topic is now hot. Everybody is is yeah. it, it pops so up everywhere. Th- there was no me too. <laughs> no. <clears throat> uh, so you had to swallow what happened mm-hmm. or quit. Yeah. Um, your training. Yeah. And. 
quitting uh, is not in my character. Mm -hmm. So I'm quite persistent. Uh, So I went on and uh, luckily uh, at the end of my training, I met my husband and he was a bit older uh, cardiologist. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it helped me a lot to discuss things that happened Mm. with him outside the setting of the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I had someone to share the problems and I always had uh, many female friends, female colleagues, uh, female networks um, that helped me mm-hmm. to discuss things that happened. Yeah. And I realized that, uh, you know, the sexism, the harassment, I wasn't the only one. Mm-hmm. So I could share uh, with others, uh, things that happened. And I think that was the way to survive, yeah. um, to become a professional cardiologist. Um, can, can I jump in here? Because I'm, yeah. I'm very uh, curious to hear, and I don't know if it's, it's possible even to answer that question, but what we always say is that when people feel psychologically unsafe, so in the, in the way you actually felt when you were in that, uh, in that culture, you were working in that culture, that the real potential of somebody is uh, not coming out or maybe not coming out as much yeah. as you could. So I'm just curious to hear how you yeah. uh, well, felt. Well, you, you feel uh, unsafe and insecure when things happen that are not pleasant. Yeah. I can give an example. Uh, when I learned to do uh, a heart cath, mm-hmm. um, my supervisor uh was close in in the cat lab and um, you know what you have to do during a a hard cath Mm -hmm. is that you you push um, in a fast way contrast into the coronary arteries okay and you have to learn it so the first 50 um, 50 patients are difficult and Mm -hmm. you need help to do it uh, properly Mm -hmm. And I remember um, that uh, pushing the contrast in the coronary arteries took some effort to Mm -hmm. learn that correctly, Mm -hmm. that my supervisor was, you know, laughing all the time at me and (sighs) talking about the ejaculations of of (sighs) Angela Maas. (sighs) And I remember standing there sweating, feeling insecure and... This is also potential harmful for patients yeah, because yeah. if you don't watch out, if you feel too insecure, yeah. you know, you can damage the patient and in the worst case, the patient dies. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, well, it happened. Um, I haven't complained about it because I didn't want to, to be thrown out. But if, well, things like this Mm -hmm. don't happen anymore. This is not possible any longer. But uh, it's very bad for your self-confidence. And because you, as a doctor, you have to deal with patients, you know, also for the safety of patients, the educational environment should be very safe and, and, you know, comforting exactly yeah it's it's really literally a, a matter of life and death right if you're it is. Uh, yeah, it is. working in that environment. and this also account of course for surgeons in the operating theater 
Um, so there are so many things that you have to learn. You have to deal with, you know, patients who who can't defend themselves, who, who have to trust on your uh, on on the safety uh, around them, yep. and so this is really a, a difficult point. Yeah, yeah. So this is one thing, the one side, uh, becoming a female professional, which was not easy. So mm-hmm. many other things happened, of course. Um, but also the way we look at female patients. Mm-hmm. You know, we used to laugh at them oh. because they had stupid symptoms. Women didn't fit in the model that we had developed in cardiology along the standards of the male patients. And what was, so I'm very curious, like stupid symptoms, it were symptoms that yeah. were not known or was well, it? Well, what's written in the books are the symptoms that, that yeah. male patients tell the doctors. Exactly. Yeah. So female patients have different symptoms. And in the beginning, uh, we thought it was only because women expressed themselves differently. Yeah, yeah. But now, after 30 years or even more, we know that underlying cardiovascular disease is also different. Yep. So women do have a good reason to have different symptoms. Yep. It's Now we do understand it. Yep. But at that time, we didn't understand it. And if a doctor doesn't understand what's happening, we tend to laugh, yeah, to yeah. laugh at the patients. Yeah. So... You so know. we put the patient then actually uh, give the patient an unsafe uh, and yes. it's maybe literally even as well, yes. right? So it's yes. literally unsafe, yes. psychological and, 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 and physical. On this subject, the safety of the f- patients, how d- how we look at them, how we treat them, yeah. um, there is still a lot of work to do yeah. because it's in the root of medicine that the whole medicine, all kinds of different uh, specialities are built from the male perspective. Yeah, exactly. So cardiology is a big example. Um, We are far ahead, uh, for instance, neurology, that we know now why women are different, why they express themselves differently. But uh, neurology is 20 years behind us. And so there are many neurology patients who still get wrong answers. And it's also in the field of orthopedia, uh, internal medicine, but also general practice. There are so many other subjects in whole medicine Mm -hmm. that we need to, to, to look differently at women and men. Uh, and also the upcoming um, uh, medical issue of transgender yep. uh, persons. Yep. Uh, because we don't learn about them on, in medical school. No, no. We just don't understand them. It's an unknown. It's unknown, which yeah. can be potential harmful exactly. when something serious happens to those people. Yeah. And I, I'm very, uh, this is very interesting. I, I, what I find really, um, what I would love to talk about as well is the expression, like you said, right? The expressing, that was at first maybe the idea that uh, women express themselves differently or women patients, yeah. female patients. Um, it is true, right, that women react in an unsafe environment differently than men. Yeah. 
at least the feminine traits are different than masculine traits in those sure, cases. Sure. Uh, a lot of times women, and I'm generalizing here, are, are expressing themselves in a, in a way of freezing, leaving, uh, quitting, uh, yeah. right? Um, yeah. And also maybe not even then, and I'm just thinking about being a patient in the hospital, yeah. maybe not being that um, uh, uh, yeah, adamant to really to, look, to, to tell the, what's really going on or yeah. to just doubt themselves, right? Doubt their symptoms and yeah. just think, oh, yeah, maybe I'm just yeah. feeling it, but it's not something. Yeah, yeah. well, women tend <coughs> to, to look for the cause of their symptoms, uh, tend to look at at themselves. Yeah. Perhaps I did something wrong. Exactly. Perhaps yeah. I was too busy uh, with my parents, um, taking care of my parents or my children, or I did something wrong at my work. Yeah. So women tend to look at, at, at perhaps at, at they think they made mistakes or whatever. Yeah. And for men, it's more also direct communication. Yeah. I have these symptoms. You are the doctor. So yeah. what's What's wrong? Yeah. And women are always trying to find explanations, trying to find a cause of their symptoms. And for instance, if you look at the subject of hypertension, which is the most frequent and deadly risk factor uh, worldwide mm -hmm. uh, for mortality in women mm -hmm. in, uh, in general, um, that women always have an excuse yeah. to tell you when their blood pressure is too high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was too busy. Yeah. Uh, 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 it was me, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, 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 women tend to to, to, to look at themselves um, perhaps in the wrong way. Yeah. And there are so many things we can't help. No, no. Um, so we handle stress differently. And what we see more and more... Uh, in the younger female generation, the women between, let's say, 35 and 60 years, the women in the workforce, mm -hmm. is that a specific type of myocardial infarction mm -hmm. that uh, happens more and more in this age group. Mm -hmm. And this is a kind of myocardial infarction that rarely, rarely happens in men. Okay. 94% uh, of patients with, we call this uh, spontaneous coronary artery dissection, a tear in a coronary artery, a sudden mm -hmm. tear, not mm -hmm. a blockage, but a, a tear. Um, it happens mostly in women. Mm -hmm. And we have uh, investigated with a PhD student what may be the psychological causes of, of these uh, myocardial infarctions. Yeah. And we see that uh, prolonged stress mm. um, at home, dealing with, with your children, your parents, um, uh, perhaps marriage that, that's having some difficulties, but also, you know, your job, uh, doing everything together, uh, being a bit uh, a perfectionist, that... These are the ingredients for such a myocardial infarction. Mm -hmm. So we, we see with the, the, the changing um, time in which we live, uh, it's now more demanding for women and women demand from them, their, themselves yeah. that they want to do everything perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. And we see it back. In their myocardial infarction, exactly. In their health, in, the in their health, yeah, 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 which is amazing. Yeah. I mean, 
I find it very interesting. But for women who who have such a myocardial infarction, it's really distressing. And we now think that about 25% of all myocardial infarctions in women below 60 years are related to a kind of chronic stress. Mm -hmm. So we as cardiologists, we have to deal with it because... Only to give medication is no, not the answer. That's a symptom, exactly. And I would love to make the connection. This is alarming, right? I think this, this is, is something that, yes. that we should all uh, be aware of, actually. Yeah. Um, uh, but also in the corporate world, in the workforce. I'm trying yeah. to make that link. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so the... the um, can it, I would like to make the link between psychological safety and then women in the in the corporate world. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I can make the link myself. I recognize like a lot of the stress factors that I also uh, deal with. Yeah. Um, is that, uh, can we say, and this is maybe just a statement that we should talk about, can we say that the stress that women uh, or that, that people overall uh, feel in the corporate world, uh, and it's not only the corporate world, but I just want to make that link, is is dealt differently from a health perspective by men than by women? Is that how we can sort of... Yeah, th- th- that's certainly uh, the case. Okay. Um, ma- I think women can learn from uh, their male counterparts because mm-hmm. men can more easily park stress until the next day. Yeah. Because you can't st- solve all stress, you know, immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, so men can park stress, uh, we'll see tomorrow. So this evening there's football, yeah. we have a beer yeah. and have a nice time. And we see tomorrow uh, about the things that that go on. Yeah. And uh, women handle it differently. You know, women go on thinking, thinking, how can I solve this problem? Yeah. And there are many problems that you can't solve on your own or perhaps problems that you have to learn to live with. Um, uh, For instance, if you have a difficult child, I have an autistic son, Mm -hmm. uh, and you have to learn to live with such a child because it will be there forever. Um, So, and that's what women should learn more to accept the, the imperfect world. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, also because of the social media, we tend to strive that every, everything should be perfect. Yeah. Why? Yeah, yeah. Except that the world isn't perfect. No. And, you know, take it more easy. Yeah. It's okay. And and what can we, what can we do differently in the... Um, well, again, I want to make the link to the corporate, corporate world, right? We can always say, and that's something I find a little bit difficult, that uh, when I see colleagues uh, burning out or uh, colleagues who are uh, um, are brave enough to say, hey, I feel psychological unsafe, that we put it on that person and we say, well, you should just get a coach or you should just uh, yeah. feel not so, you, you shouldn't be that soft or you should not be so sensitive. Uh, but yeah. what can we do because I don't agree with that. I mean, of course, there's a certain level, but there's also the system and the culture that's there. Of course. So what can we do with the culture? The most difficult thing is to change the culture. Exactly. And I remember once... You know that from the... (laughs) I remember once (laughs) I did a course and the first thing they said, 
well, never try to change the culture. Oh, yeah. Uh, of course, you can't do it on your own, no. but you can do it together yeah. with the whole system that you are working in, yeah. the men and women together. Yeah. And we see it also now in academia um, that the, the system, uh, you know, how to, to, to make progress uh, on your position in academia, the whole system is built from the male perspective, yep. having a, a wife at home dealing yep. with the children. Yep. And, you know, time has changed and often women need more time when they had a child or taking care for parents. Uh, you know, things happen during your lifetime. And mm -hmm. um, now there is a shortage of, of, you know, shortage in the workforce everywhere. Yeah. So I think we we have to create together a more friendly culture yeah. to keep everyone on board. Yeah. And of course we have different characters, but we should accept that, you know, one woman is perhaps more stress resistant than another one. Mm -hmm. And I think we should embrace this yeah. because... Um, also, more male-oriented women can learn from softer women. Yeah. And I remember, um, of course, I had a few coaches during my career. Uh, I remember, I think it was about 10, uh, 12 years ago, uh, I needed a coach because the, 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 the group of cardiologists I was working uh, with um, you know, we had huge problems in communication with each other. It, mm -hmm. it, it was a very bad atmosphere. And I remember this, uh, this woman coach that it took a lot of effort mm -hmm. to, to look for my, my, my soft... Your uh, feminine traits, yeah. My feminine traits, yeah. because yeah. I've, I had covered up everything, yeah. you know... In a harness, in yeah. in yeah, put up your guard, yeah, constantly, yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I lost my female traits, yeah, yeah, and it was a revelation. It took me one and a half year, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. to feel something again, yeah, and to 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 feel my own self, yeah, back, yeah. and uh, and I've tried, but perhaps I haven't succeeded all the time, but. Uh, succeeded all the time, but uh, I try to 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 keep to my own roots and and feelings. Yeah. Um, also, when it's it's getting more difficult and harsh in in the world around me. Yeah. How how would you um, so maybe just uh, to take a step back, right? What what is psychological safety in your view? Like what what does it mean? We talked a lot about it about it, but what's your definition of it how do you feel safe well safety is is, is a difficult definition yeah um it, it it has to do with freedom yeah to 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 do your work in the way you think um it is best but also how it fits in in the department and and yeah. and what your colleagues think so it's not uh it, it's a dynamic process. Yeah, yeah. It can change, you know, from time to time, also depending on what ha what what happens around you yeah. and what developments are going on. 
Yeah. So you should be open to changes. Um, and also your colleagues should be open to changes and perhaps uh, things that that happen to your work. Yeah. So it it's a dynamic process. Yeah. Uh, also related to interaction with your colleagues and other people that you work with. Yeah, yeah, it's all about the interaction indeed, right? And also the yeah. environment. I yeah. mean, what happens in the world? Yeah, the context. What, what the context? context. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. there's no safety without context. No, no, exactly. Yeah. So there is. Uh, yeah. So it's also another one-off, or it's not like uh, uh, okay, let's talk about psychological safety, and then and then and then we have fixed it, right, for the team. It yeah, can no, it no, can change no. constantly. You, it, 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 it's a continuum. <coughs> yeah. You yeah. have to safety. You have to work on safety all the time. Yeah. How do you approach psychological unsafety? So when you hear either a case and it comes to you on your desk, right, or uh, when you uh, um, feel it yourself on safety, how do you yeah. approach that? What's your well? It's not enough to have uh, a few commissioners in a large company mm-hmm. or in a hospital because uh, a commissioner is not um, a guarantee that uh, the workforce is safe. Um, so in every department, it should be um, a regular item for discussion. Yeah. So um, in in a good in a good department, you dis- you talk with each other a few times a year. Yeah. Uh, if anyone has something to discuss, yeah. Or the 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 leader, team leader, or whoever uh, comes with a suggestion of a subject. Yeah. Um, so keep discussing uh, safety. On the work floor. Yeah. Yeah. It's not uh, an issue to discuss when something happens. Mm -hmm. But if you want to prevent things happening. Yeah. It should be always on the agenda. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We know that uh, Amy Edmondson sort of coined, right, the the term psychological safety. She has done a lot of research also in the medical world, as you know. Um, And uh, one of the things that came out of that or what one important thing about psychological safety is that we should feel free to talk about our mistakes. And uh, that was, of course, in the medical world, there were some cases that she uh, mentioned in her book. Uh, that again, it's really a matter of life of, or death if you are not, yeah. if you don't feel safe to to uh, tell about your mistakes uh, or to even speak up when a doctor says something uh, to to talk about the hierarchy uh, again. Um, how does that work? And you like, how do you see that in practice from a uh, feeling um, uh, safe to to bring up mistakes? Is there, do you have any examples there or from yeah, yourself? Sure, maybe? sure. Um, there are um, regular meetings to discuss, uh, for instance, what happened when a patient died, mm-hmm. all things that happened, all uh, people who were involved in in the case mm-hmm. uh, certainly when uh, it was a you know a severe and, and deadly case, mm-hmm. but also small mistakes mm-hmm. can be very important. Yeah, uh, you can stay awake for weeks if you only made a small mistake, mm-hmm. and there's often no time to discuss it. That's also a point. So yeah. <clears throat> and and so. And no time means no priority. Mm-hmm. Um, while for everyone um, working in, 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 in healthcare, 
it is a priority and important to discuss even the small things that went wrong mm-hmm. because, you know, it, it feels better if you can share it with others yep. because no one is stupid, yep. but stupid things happen. Yep. And it happens to everyone. Yep. Yep. And even in the last year, last year I did patient care, you know, some stupid things happened. Mm-hmm. And you feel better when you can tell it to someone, yep. when you can share it. And often someone says, oh, I had that too. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. it's, you know, yeah. we still feel a bit ashamed to talk about our mistakes. Yeah, yeah. It should be normal. Yeah, it should, it should be, normal. be normal. And we can learn a lot we from them. We can learn. That's the whole. I learned yeah. the most in my whole career from the things I did wrong. Exactly, exactly. And from yeah. patients. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not from doctors. No, no, <laughs> no, no. That's an interesting one. About the time pressure, that's also interesting, right? I have the feeling that we are getting in, we're really living in a sort of an e- efficiency culture, right? Everything needs to be efficient. I think in the medical world, uh, I even feel it when I'm at a general practitioner, right? You only have 10 minutes, and uh, but that can be. That's probably in the hospital as well, with cardiolo- uh, cardiology uh, uh, department as well. How does time pressure have an impact on psychological safety? Uh, well, time pressure. If you feel that your doctor is in a hurry, um, mm-hmm. by definition, the patient will feel unsafe. Yeah. But we can organize healthcare differently. For instance, we can. Um, there are so many uh, well-trained nurses who can do a lot of work yeah. that still doctors do. Yeah. And I know in cardiology, about one-third of the patients we see in the outpatient clinic, we only see because they, they, we earn money mm. by seeing them, mm. but there's no need at all oh, to yeah. see them. Okay. So um, I think it's more it, it's getting more and more important to be critical mm-hmm. about the work we are doing. Yeah. We should skip uh, doing work which is not needed, which mm-hmm. is only good for uh, for the money. Our money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know there are still too many money issues um, in healthcare mm-hmm. that that should sh- sh- we should leave out. Yeah. How would you, um, we had, uh, our previous guest was uh, Diederik Gommers, mm. and um, he had a question for you. What tip would you give organizations or hospitals to keep nurses to prevent them from leaving, burning out? Uh, and what is the link with psychological safety? It's a big problem. Yeah. And we all know that a hospital can't survive with doctors only. No. And if you ask patients what was the most important experience when you were in hospital, it was always a friendly nurse, yeah. a man or a woman. Exactly. Um, so nurses are key in hospitals yeah. and not the doctors. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so in fact, you could leave out the doctors and ask them to... to to make a diagnosis outside the hospital, mm-hmm. but to care for patients. Yeah. We need nurses and we need to give them more uh, career perspective and also autonomy mm-hmm. and also more salary. Mm-hmm. So, and I think if you look at uh, the boards also in hospitals, there should be a nurse in the board, mm-hmm. a man or a woman. Yeah. 
Uh, and not only oh, male nurses, because yeah. the perspective for female nurses should be better than it is uh, today. So uh, we should leave out the, the hierarchy yeah. that's still there. Yeah. Yeah. And in Holland, it's not, it's not as bad as in Germany or in, in France. In mm-hmm. Germany, it's still Herr Doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, but nurses are the most important people in hospitals. Yeah, yeah. And I think um, Dr. Gommers knows that very well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he's really focused on, on, uh, yeah. Yeah, on looking That's at important. how to keep them. Yeah, yeah. I like that. And it's, uh, again, I want to make the link to the corporate world, right? I think that's the same is true for uh, the younger generation coming in. Uh, yeah. we, we need the younger generation in corporate world as well. So we could almost, yeah, put the same same requirements on top of that. Yeah, uh, but I, I think we should involve the younger generation exactly. more in things that happen in the board. Yeah. And why shouldn't be there uh, a junior member yep. of the board yep. in every board yep. uh, a junior member yep. uh, someone you know below 40 yep. in every board um, so t- to keep young people motivated for a company for a certain kind of of uh, of work involve them yeah yeah and we, we also see this now if we make, for instance, new guidelines in medical care involve the patients. Yeah, yeah. And I think if new guidelines still appear without patient involvement, mm-hmm. we can put them in the waste bin. Yeah, yeah. Because we shouldn't talk over the heads of patients. Mm-hmm. We should talk with them. With, yeah, exactly. Because they give us you know, such important key information. And this is also with junior members. Involve them. Not only listen to them, you know, in an obligatory way, but include them. I also have a question for you. So we have in the next uh, podcast, we're going to talk with uh, Roland uh, Slot. He's mm-hmm. a, uh, a serial entrepreneur. He uh, has uh, set up Eberkin. Uh, he has been a uh, McKinsey partner. And he's really well transitioned also more towards the, the inner side, the conscious side of, of human beings. And to, uh, yeah. Do you have a question for him? Well, I think this may be related to the last topic that we were discussing. Um, as he has such an experience, I would ask him, why shouldn't we have a kind of quotum mm-hmm. for executive boards to put in a junior member? Uh, so now we have discussed quota for women and ethnic minorities, which we're, we are still not doing no. quite well. <laughs> but what about age groups, yep. younger age groups? Yep. And... I would like to know his opinion about that. That sounds uh, a good question. I'm going to ask him that question. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Is there anything like a last comment that you want to give our listeners? Like one advice. We we already heard lots of advices that we can use. So you you gave lots of examples in the medical world that and that perspective is such a strong perspective that we can use in the corporate world as well. But is there anything else that you would like to? 
to well, our listeners? F- from my experience, <coughs> listening to 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 female patients yeah. uh, for for many decades, I think for the f- women in the corporate world, it's important to ensure that people listen to you. Mm-hmm. And if you think that people are not listening, ask them, mm. have you heard me? Mm. Um, and that may be a nasty question, but it's one way of many others, perhaps, to help to change the culture. Yeah. Nice. I like that one. Thank you very much. Thank you. I really like this conversation. I can talk uh, forever with you. <laughs> I would love to talk more, but I think uh, for now, uh, this, this was the podcast for now. Okay, thank, thank you. you. One of the key elements of psychological safety is having an open dialogue and feeling free to speak up. So if you have any questions or would like more information, feel free to reach out to me or our colleagues. You can find the contact information in the description of this podcast. We're looking forward to learn and share. Thank you.